0: Right. If you would please be seated. So if you would uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 34. It is also printed in the worship folder and in the worship folder online. And. Let's read Psalm 34 together of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went his way and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man to the Lord, the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him lack of no Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eye of the Lord is toward the righteous, and his ears are toward the sea. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut them off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them of all their troubles The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all His bones, not one of them is broken. Afflictions will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of His servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Let us pray. Even now, Lord Jesus, be glorified. Teach us. Be with us. In Christ's name, amen. I always get nervous uh, every time that... I have the opportunity to stand before God's people and to deliver his gospel. Uh, I shared with the, the men's Bible study this past week that uh, one of my mentors, uh, Bishop Philip Gardner, uh, he was a, a bishop who, over the churches that uh, in the denomination that I was previously a part of in Mobile. After 50 some odd years of preaching, he would stand up before us about every Thursday and Wednesday nights and he, or Thursday night, and he would say, he's like, you know what? Even though I ordained some of y'all, I'm still nervous. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I'm thankful to be among friends, even as I, uh, as I feel a little nervous. Uh, so I'm going to need a little extra help from y'all today to, to, to go forward. Um, but we'll, we're looking at Psalm 34. And. The title is Taste and See That the Lord is Good. Um, a keen sense of taste takes time to develop. For me, in, in three years uh, of, of classes, I learned flavor from Chef Annette and Chef Jeremy. Uh, Chef Jeremy was one of the uh, executive chefs for the New England Patriots at one point in time. But we learned to be able to differentiate uh, the taste of ingredients and how they react to one another. And we learned to manipulate the, the textures and the tones of those ingredients to do some pretty cool things. The chefs, they were masters at this. They, I, I, I was just in awe some days at some of the things that they did. Uh, but me, I, I learned a little something, something from them. I'm, I'm not, the, I'm not uh, definitely an executive chef level. But my wife can tell you that I actually once made eggplant taste like beef. And you almost couldn't tell the difference. I know some of y'all are are not really into the vegetable thing but I did that uh and I that's something I'm, I'm pretty proud of uh that, that's also oh yeah thank you yeah the gumbo yeah yeah and and that's also uh one of the ways that I'm a- actually able to make really good pulled pork like even though I can't eat it uh somebody asked me that once um but uh for those of you who don't know, I'm allergic to it, and if, if I eat that, I, I'll, be, I'll be down. I, I said here that you know, I'll drop like Uzzah after he touched the Ark of the Covenant. That's, that's how bad it, it could get. And my wife is not the, the happiest. Uh, but um, but uh, you, you, you're probably asking, why in the world is Alex standing up here bragging about how excellent his amazing taste is? Uh, well, what I'm doing is I'm just trying to set up an analogy. Um, And that analogy is that flavor is to the body what God's goodness is to the soul. Psalm 52.1 says that the goodness of God endures forever. Now, let me see if y'all are with me on this. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Yeah, y'all with me on that? Okay. Thank y'all for your help there. Uh, Arthur W. Pink describes God's goodness as referring to the perfection of his nature. In 1 John uh, chapter 1 verse 5 says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. There is such an absolute perfection in God's nature and being that nothing is wanting to it or defective in it. And nothing can be added to make it better. It's purer than gold, more perfect than the cut of diamonds, sweeter than honey, as the prophet Ezekiel found. But the idea that scripture gives us and teaches us is that we can only get to know the goodness of God And all the colors of his grace by tasting his goodness for ourselves. There's nobody who can do it for us. Not mom, not dad, not sister, not brother. But his goodness is personal. That's the personal nature of the knowability of God. It's about 18 inches. It's 18 inches from our head, from our experiences to our heart. To our relationship with him. David knew this pretty well. And upon the occasion of the writing of this psalm, we see that David was having an extremely, extremely bad day. His father-in-law wanted to kill him. He ran to the city of Gath. And when he got to the city of Gath there, his enemies picked him out before he could even think about it. And then he made a complete fool of himself by acting crazy. And they let him go out of pity and shame that they didn't want him, a mad another madman among them. And then he had nowhere to go. Nowhere to go but a cave. It says that he retreated to. And in that cave, in that darkness, he may have felt fearful. He may have felt ashamed. He was definitely hungry, weak, poor, and seeing that many of his people were also downtrodden. This was a dark moment for David. But then his brothers showed up. Other people came, not proud people, but people who knew the struggle, the distressed, the indebted, the people who knew depression gathered to him. And his mama and daddy were also there, too. It's always better when mama and daddy are there. I'm going to see my mom as well this week. Um, and in this assembly, this this group of ragtag, suffering, ragamuffin people, David got a taste of his friend being present. His God. Showing up for him yet again. David's theology then His knowledge of God then turned to doxology, praise of God. As he found liturgy in this seemingly ordinary moment, David invites us to do the same. He says in his heart, probably in this cave, I knew I would know that sweetness anywhere. I knew you wouldn't leave me. You are always there, and I will always continually praise you and bless you. And there he penned this psalm. Thanking the God who works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Good in the highs and in the lows. David encourages us in this Hebrew acrostic psalm. In verse 8a, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we'll focus on that thought today. Oh, taste and see. As Dr. Tony Evans once said, David is inviting us to do a taste test. And, And speaking of taste tests, we're actually having a little trouble conducting taste tests in my house right now. Uh, Little Alex is is at that stage where he's starting to reject foods that he loved previously. And for us, it caught us off guard, right? And this is all seemingly for no reason. But my wife, she is brilliant. And so what she decided to do in her uh, wonderful, you know, in her gifts as a wonderful educator, she decided to slip Dr. Seuss's book, uh, The Green Eggs and Ham, into Alex's bedtime reading rotation. And you're probably familiar with the book, uh, Green Eggs and Ham. And you're probably familiar with the story. So Sam I Am is, is riding along, and he passes Guy. Guy says something along the lines of, Sam I Am, Sam I Am. I do not particularly appreciate that Sam I Am. And hurt people hurt people. So Sam decides to show Guy some Christian kindness. Guy looks like he could use a meal. So Sam offers him, hi, neighbor. Do you like green eggs and ham? Guy says, no, Sam. And Sam persists. Do you like it over here? Do you like it over there? Would you like it in a tree, in a box, on a fox? But the thrust of Sam's appeal is what we adopted to say to Alex. You don't want them, so you say. Try them, try them, and you may. Sam became an evangelist for what he saw as fantastic. But God didn't want any of that because his palate was estranged from the taste of green eggs and ham. And I'm using the strange there uh, to, as, to, I guess, to make this analogy that's coming up. It wasn't what he was used to. He was so scared that he wouldn't like it that he had convinced himself that he didn't like it. What, and even though he had never tasted it. Guy illustrates what we're going to call the prodigal palate today. And that is that when we are estranged from God, we don't want him because we have a taste for other things. And by proxy, those other things are usually unclean and common things that we've twisted. But we reject the pure and holy God, our creator. And in Genesis 3, we're informed that the disobedience of Adam, the first human, Though uh, through which sin entered into the world and death by it, uh, first, death is estrangement from God, and we developed a taste of death and darkness, and we think it's stake. But God loves us too much to allow us to stay there. The problem with us is. That even when Sam comes and puts God right in our laps and meets us right where we are, we don't want no green eggs and ham. And I'm using that double negative for emphasis there. And even if on some level we wish to taste Christ making everything bad come untrue, our dead hearts eat up what looks more appetizing, what feels more desirous, and the dainty morsels that feed our pride. However, not everything that glitters is gold. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Only ice cream for dinner ever may sound really, really good to a toddler but it's not actually good for you. The prodigal palate takes this life and spends it on dining on our unrestrained passions. And what that ends up doing in us and for us is that it causes us to live beneath our privilege, desiring the equivalent of pig slop. And what David invites us to is to taste and see the good that is in our father's house. I suggest to you that we need only adjust our perspective to begin nibbling on the appetizers of his common grace. His goodness on display commonly available to all. If you would, close your eyes. Close your eyes with me for a second. And let's practice gratitude for a moment. I'm going to list some things. And I want you to visualize yourself having Done these things or doing these things. Waking up in the morning with everything that you need. With a mind to think. Breath in our lungs that He gives. The sun's warmth. The breeze on your skin. Moving in space. The ability to nod your head, open your eyes, you taste it. Do you taste that goodness? We've seen much goodness in our days. And I know everything is not perfect. But whatever losses, it is still his grace that holds us in our brokenness. I've even observed that people with the most bitter darkness, people who've experienced the most bitter darkness, they come the most alive when they taste the light. Let us not be so foolish as to cast off humility and to give credit to the alarm clock for waking us up this morning. But the God who created us. David says his soul boasts in the Lord. Because what David has done is he's moved on to the main course. And if we struggle with the prodigal palate, I say this. God the Holy Spirit, he already showed you and I coming to the Apostle James. From about 2,000 miles away when he penned James chapter 1, verses 16 and 18. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift coming is from above, coming down from the father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of his power, or by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. That's the story of who we are and whose we are. Jesus made you. Jesus came for you. Jesus lived for you. Jesus died for every time you rejected him, in omission, thought, word, or deed. Jesus rose from the dead so that you and I could taste life and light. You don't like him, so you say, Try Jesus, take him at his word. Read it with an open heart and be with his people with an open mind. Pray and ask him to reveal himself to you in the beauty of his holiness. I did. And now I'm here. Like Sam. Holding the great I am out. Saying, try some, try some. And you may. Why does God care about you and me about what does God care about you and I knowing his goodness the questions that the angels ask is what is humanity that you even care about them what is man that you are mindful of him the simple answer is that we are his children made in his image so what he does for us when we're become estranged from him, he carries out a plan of redemption. That Christ would come, God with us, bring many sons and daughters to glory by offering his body broken and his blood shed for the remission of our sins and rising to justify us. So now, in the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace with God, We can enjoy union with Christ and common union with God the Father and the Spirit dwelling in us and with one another. Now, what means did Christ institute for us to embody this grace that he gives us? The bread and the cup, a meal that makes his transcendent goodness concrete for us. He takes us up to remind us that our God always shows up for his people in that communion moment. Psalm 34 displays the heart posture of a man who has nothing but his God. And emerging from that experience, David can't help but join voices with the late Mahalia Jackson and Bishop Gilbert Earl Patterson. When they sang... He's sweet, I know, he's sweet, I know. Storm clouds may rise and strong winds may blow. I'll tell the world wherever I go that I have found a savior and he's sweet, I know. I can't forget when I was sad, head hanging down, soul feeling bad, all I could say was, Lord, take my heart. Jesus came and saved me and gave me a start. I have a ticket here in my hand. I'm going on to that beautiful land. Sometimes I weep and sometimes I moan. But I'm bound for glory and I'm going on. He's sweet, I know. Yes, he's sweet, I know. Storm clouds may rise and strong winds may blow, but I'll tell the world wherever I go that I have found a Savior and He's sweet. I know. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for being sweet to us, for coming and showing us the image of the invisible God and all of his attributes, that in you we might come to know God, our creator, maker and sustainer. Lord, I pray that you would today by your spirit allow us to taste of your goodness, allow us to see it, to feel it and to embrace you because of it. In Christ's name,